0: I'm Regan Brandt, and this is the Insurance Chatter. What is the insurance industry talking about? What problems are InsurTech solving? What trends are agents, brokers, underwriters, and executives thinking about? Every week, I sit down with a different person from across the insurance industry to discuss what's happening in their niche markets. I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at risk, technology, data, and culture within one of the most exciting business sectors. Follow along to get pumped and see where the insurance industry is headed. Today I'm sitting down with Scott Carpenteri, president and founder of K2 Parametric. Scott is one of the few insurance professionals that actively sought out the industry, graduating with a major in actuarial science and economics. Scott has spent the last 20 years creating complex and customized risk solutions to help businesses mitigate and navigate their exposures. He is passionate about educating and mainstreaming people, brokers, and businesses on the parametric insurance vehicle. Before diving in, I asked Scott to set the stage and let us know what his plate song would be.
1: So for me, it's gonna be something definitely 80s, gonna be some new wave or some something with synthesizers in it so gonna be something probably like Depeche Mode or Pet Shop Boys. I'm going Pet Shop <laughs> Boys opportunities.
0: Before we dive in tell us like a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah so living living in Southern California outside of LA. Uh, okay. Originally from the East Coast like half the people in Southern California. (laughs) Exactly.
0: When did you move to California? Uh,
1: 20 years ago. Uh, Oh, yeah, I I thought
0: you've been there forever. Then I
1: moved here in a lark. I thought this will be a fun couple of years. And I don't know what happened 20 years later. I I suppose I could have picked the uh, the Eagles Hotel California because they were right. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave.
0: How did you land in insurance?
1: So I'm of the age where I'm at the kind of pivot point where People pretty much anyone older than me fell into insurance. They, you know, were a history major or something. No offense to history majors. And then their family said, "All right, you got to start making some money." And they're like, "What do I do?" Go talk to Uncle Jim. He works at this place called Guy Carpenter, and he'll sort you out. Right? This is kind of how it worked with anyone sort of older than me. And I'm kind of like one of the first that sought it out. So I, growing up in Connecticut, I had exposure to insurance professionals, insurance people. I actually as a math nerd I wanted to become an actuary so I I actually sought it out I went to school for actuarial science and so you it you will find few people older than me that have a similar path and a lot more people younger than me that now risk management programs are a big deal in a lot of universities and so it's not that uncommon to find people who looked for it. So I have a mathematics degree with a specialization in actual science. So that's the program that they had at the university I went to. Um, and then okay. because I'm just an overachiever, I went and got a double major of economics too because oh I just enjoyed economics so much.
0: You wanted to be an insurance geek. So where did you head to first?
1: Well, it started with my internship. So I got an internship when I was in college. I entered okay. at Aetna, at the time, oh. Aetna was a multi-line property casualty insurance company. Now it's a health insurance company. Yeah. Um But uh, yeah, I interview. I, I interned at Aetna, uh in property casualty. Thought it was really cool. They offered me a job out of college and went to start working work for them right out of college.
0: Okay. And then I, I think I was seen on LinkedIn and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to Swiss RE right after that?
1: Yeah. Next jump was a personal lines company called USAA, which I think people are very familiar with now, particularly yeah. with their advertising. So down in yeah. San Antonio, Texas. So jumped from Connecticut to San Antonio, Texas oh, wow. and and was an actuary at USAA for uh, several years and okay. priced homeowners and personal automobile insurance uh, down in San Antonio. For
0: those of us who don't know, which I will say I was one of the naive people and just kind of learned about parametric insurance, give us kind of what you're doing now. You know, what are you building out?
1: Yeah, so excited to talk about it. Um, parametric insurance is kind of the new frontier of insurance. It's probably, you know, there's a lot of people love to throw buzzwords around innovation and things like that. This is, this is actually real. Um, so parametric insurance is simply an insurance policy that pays based on the characteristics or parameters Parameters of an event, and so okay. unlike a regular policy that says, "Okay, if bad stuff happens, we'll take care of you," except for all these exclusions and sublimits and you know, a hundred pages of legal words. Yeah. <laughs> this one says none of that. My my policy is about ten to fifteen pages long. It says, "If this ha- if this thing happens in the places that you care about, uh, we measure the the intensity of the thing that happens, and we pay you on a pre-agreed basis, and that's it. It's done."
0: okay so what kind of like give us an example
1: so a simple example would be so you you can parameterize and you can use a trigger for you know just about anything that's quantitatively measured but where it's use, most useful and where the the first sort of round of using parametric is is for natural catastrophes so say you okay. own a hotel in south florida right in miami um you can buy property insurance for it but the property insurance has a big deductible has a lot of exclusions you're not going to get much coverage for your beautiful lush tropical grounds um yeah. business interruption and extra expense are very very challenging claims to adjudicate very challenging coverages And so you being a smart buyer, you say, I've got this hotel. I do buy hurricane insurance, but I know that there are a lot of gaps in my hurricane insurance coverage. So I would like to actually close some of those gaps. So I'd also like to buy a parametric hurricane policy to supplement that traditional insurance policy so that when that event comes, um, we on a pre-agreed basis, Uh, uh, We settle a claim and then now I have money to pay for all those different things that are just not going to be covered in my traditional insurance policy that will really be cost to me because this hurricane came through. Are
0: people normally buying this as a supplemental policy or do a lot of people do it as a standalone coverage?
1: Yeah, so this is where parametric is not that new as a concept. The triggers have been around since the late 90s, Um, but where we're really seeing the line of business take off in the past five years or so is the idea that the parametric dovetails nicely with the with the shortcomings of the traditional property insurance product. And so where the parametric, uh, you know, where the parametric kind of leaves off the property insurance product kind of takes over. So they they kind of dovetail nicely together. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, they the most folks will buy this as a supplement. So 10 or 15 years ago, when people would mention parametric on occasion, the idea was, well, price me a tower of indemnity cover and price me a tower of parametric cover and I'll buy which one's cheaper. Well, yes. it's not. it's not the right way to look at it. It's not the right question. Yeah. So because of that, parametric never really took off because parametric Pound for pound is not cheaper, it behaves a lot differently, it, it's, it's built a lot differently. It, uh, it's like asking, is a bicycle cheaper than a pickup truck? Well, yes, a bicycle is yeah. cheaper than a pickup truck, yeah. but good luck buying lumber at Home Depot with a bicycle, right? So they're just different tools. Um, so that the sweet spot is finding a combination of the tools where you buy an indemnity tower, but then also buy a usually much smaller parametric to sort of augment that coverage.
0: How do you think the pandemic, has this changed that industry? Has it helped accelerate
1: it? Yeah, so in general, the pandemic for me, um, I don't find it was radically different because we sell promises for a living in the insurance business. So while we do love to jump on planes all the time and be places, you can really do that. Songs plain. and I think we've had we've had cameras in our laptops for the last what five generations of laptops, and no one yep. ever turned them on. And now we're turning them on, and it's actually a better experience, in in, in my totally. opinion. I, I do feel for as a person without hair, it's a lot easier for me to get ready to be camera ready. I understand, so it's a little harder for some folks, but um, yeah. but, but generally speaking, uh, I think this is great. I mean, we do it's the the insurance business is this massively great combination of technical detailed stuff. But also human interaction. So yep. it, it's no coincidence that we we did have the sort of the life the livelihood the, the life we had before with travel and everything. But the I think the video supplements it a bit. And then specifically yeah. to parametric, the pandemic um, shown a light on the business interruption coverage in property insurance and how it does and doesn't behave. And the industry never meant it to cover pandemic but yeah. we have a tendency in the industry to be a little heavy on our sales pitch and a little light on details um it's in the contract but not at the point of sale and we as it's an industry i think we turn a blind eye to whether or not the the buyer reads the contract or understands the contract and this is a disservice and so i think some people were being opportunistic filing pandemic claims that they knew weren't really covered. And I think some people were truly caught off guard because they just had the big sales pitch. Oh, yeah, you have got business interruption coverage. The business, the business interruption yeah. coverage, to be clear in a property insurance form is business interruption explicitly related to physical damage by one of the covered perils. Yeah. So it's a very specific and relatively narrow coverage, plus it involves breaking out your crystal ball of what would your revenue have been, but for this event, which is fraught for disagreement. Now we've had the conversations and the clients, again, the risk minded clients who look at their, their whole risk situation and they say, okay, this is the risk I'm, I have as a business owner. This is the, these are the tools I have to transfer some of this risk. These are tools I have to reduce some of that risk. Uh, They now are having more conversations with folks like me to say, there's another tool that's out there that you didn't know about before. And and the pandemic is actually asking, getting people to ask that question more often.
0: I've been watching you on LinkedIn and seeing that you go and you speak at a lot of these universities. And you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is I think it's a disservice. There's not a lot of young people that are, you know, intentionally going into insurance. And I know that some of these colleges are getting better programs but what are you kind of doing to try to help recruit young talent
1: yeah well this is i'm so excited about it drives me nuts that among the financial services insurance is considered uh, the red-headed stepchild and i hope that's not a canceled term uh, but yeah it's uh, the it's it's it drives me absolutely mad that among the financial services this is the one that's looked down upon because quite frankly the insurance industry is the most exciting it is the most interesting it is the most fun it is the most dynamic um yeah. and so i have a passion for getting that message out there so i have uh, relationships with universities at who enjoy having me come out and speak to their students. And it just is such a pleasure for me to get out there. I'm also a slightly competitive person. So the idea that everyone thinks that banking is so cool and insurance isn't drives me absolutely mad. And so uh, I, you know, you, you, the beauty of insurance is you must be aware, you have to have knowledge about everything that's going on in the world, whether it's autonomous vehicles, drones, Um, social changes, all of this stuff, climate change, all of this stuff has a direct impact on insurance. And it's just, you'll never stop learning. It's just the most fantastic career.
0: So going into these universities, are you finding like there's more kids that are now getting into risk management programs?
1: Yeah, it's awareness. I mean, it goes to your first question about how did you fall into insurance? Right. And so, you know, we have you know, we have a diversity issue in the insurance industry and I think in finance in general, but specifically insurance. And so uh, you may call me naive or just not an optimistic person. I don't think it was overt. I don't think we purposely you know, set out to where you walked into a business uh, insurance conference 15 years ago and everyone looked identical wearing the same blue blazer. Yep. I think it yep. was because of the first question. How did you get into insurance? Well, there was there have been generations of people that got into insurance because their uncle worked at one of these places and said, oh, this is a great career path. And we. So all the things that we've been talking about, I think, merge together. One, how do you learn about it? Probably someone in your family knew about this because it's so nuanced that nobody knows about it. And then, well, if someone in your family is the one who hooked you up, no wonder why everyone looks the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So to me, it's that's that's what has happened classically. And so I love that we're getting the message out more broadly because. Yeah, we want people that look different and have different experiences and have different ideas and bring different skill sets to the table. And it's, it's fantastic. And so we just, you know, getting it out more to a broader base of, of people through podcasts, you know, through um, universities. I think it's showing people that this is a really great industry and great career path that, quite frankly, is quite secure. I mean, it's it's fairly recession proof. It I, yep. Risk is not going away anytime soon right and how do you deal with that yeah can we automate more of it i don't know can we offshore some of it maybe but overall it 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 exists and needs to be here
0: well and to your point you need people to do that you know love your perspective on this so you know what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word insure tech
1: (laughs) so we're, we're gonna keep this clean right (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, but, you know, you, you can say what you want to say. thing,
1: uh, so... Yeah, so I don't want you to get the explicit tag, because it narrows yeah. your listenership. All right, so, yeah. you know, I'm not a big fan of buzzwords, uh, and I'm uh, corporate buzzwords drive me a little bit insane, and behind every buzzword, there is some legit stuff, right? There's, you know, there's some legit applications of blockchain, right? So, uh, buzzword drop for you. But what happens is and I've seen this in my entire career is people just get like so drunk on this idea and the buzzwords and then some of these things are hard to understand. So then there's the FOMO of oh my gosh, we have to get into InsurTech and blockchain and oh my gosh. And then, you know, there are people that are. You know maybe have a little bit different standards than i do who will take advantage of that and start shoveling stuff that doesn't make any sense but put the right buzzwords on it and so uh, i the, all of this is legit insurance like there's yeah but do we need a label on it just do it just do it yeah. uh, to tell you to tell you my perspective Regan, i when i was pitching my company and and when i was partnering with k2 and and we were seeing if this was a good partnership I never use the term. I I don't use the term when I talk to carrier partners, and I probably do that at my disadvantage because if anybody can say that they're like big data, blah 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 blah, it's a parametric company. But it just I've seen so many things that are, by my view, illegitimate, or maybe they're legitimate, but the people are not explaining them well. That I just don't want to be associated with that. So that's my very slightly harsh view of, of the term. Well
0: and I think to your point too, it's like, does the insurance industry need to advance their technology? Probably. But is that really insure tech? It's like, no, we probably need to utilize good technology to have better systems, better insights, better data, but does that really mean that we want the hottest new insure tech and a robot doing everything? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's that's not where it's headed.
1: And the reality is it's hard these these big companies are not asleep at the wheel i I mean every big company i've worked at has built complicated systems and then rebuilt and started over from scratch and the insurance world is incredibly nuanced it's there's a reason why it behaves the way it does there's a reason why you have several hundred pages of policy language and so getting that into a digitized uniform type of it's a it's a incredibly difficult challenge and so I, and i and you know i, I think that there's maybe be a theme that you'll hear from some of the insurance the classic you know sort of yeah. hairless insurance folks like me who uh for you know a little bit more not not quite going you know going super hype on it um but you know a lot of times you'll hear from some of the insured techs some very blatant uh, disregard of the insurance professionals in the insurance industry that they know better as an outsider. And, you know, I'm not going to point to the scoreboard, but you see what happens when you yep. disregard fundamentals of the business. And so does that mean they can't bring value? Absolutely not. There's I mean, there's so much value that can be brought into an old stodgy industry like the insurance industry, but it's not stodgy just because it wants to be. It's stodgy because it's probably one of the most complex products on the planet.
0: So this one's a little bit of a loaded question because I I think you might actually be living out your dream right now of what you want to do, but if you were to wake up tomorrow and you had an unlimited balance sheet and you could do anything in the insurance industry, where do you see kind of the most opportunity and the most lucrative niche to kind of yeah
1: so considering my startup launched just a few months ago if i said anything but what i'm doing now that would be very embarrassing uh but also it would be very untrue so it is i am doing i am doing my dream this 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 is it this is my passion I am such a weirdo. I believe I was put on this planet to help develop and advance parametric insurance. That's how strongly I believe in it.
0: How come you thought K2 would be a good partner to help you advance this mission? What kind of drew you to them and why you thought they might be the best resource for you to have?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So when I was exploring, sort of venturing off, um, my my choices were sort of to do a dedicated parametric role inside a carrier si- similar to okay. what my prior my prior role was um, which is you know d- doing a dedicated in a in a carrier actually it, it, i think it's a it's a good way to do parametric um and that would solve some of the things that i was looking for but not not quite all of the things i was looking for on, on the other end of the spectrum was just go get some venture capital and start your own mga period right yeah um, but k2's got a great business model where they say listen we're going to buy and incubate MGAs, and we're going to basically provide the backroom services and so that the MGA can just focus on what they do best, which is produce business. And to me, that was just the perfect middle ground. And and it was introduced to me as this hybrid model of startup versus sort of going to work as an employee somewhere. And I just thought that was perfect because I really, I love the idea of building this from ground up. It's so exciting. I, I, I just find the, every day of my life, the last several months, has just been so much fun. Um, on the other hand, I don't want to shop for a healthcare plan. Oh my goodness. Like, like <laughs> And I'm so happy that we have a great team of HR people at K2 doing a great job shopping for healthcare plans on behalf of the entire family. So things oh. like that, what a great efficiency. So get the efficiency where you can. But then, where you know, you really do need standalone MGAs that do their own thing. Um, let them do, you know, let them build out their their model to, to fit their their specific business needs. So, it, it's it's just been great to
0: put you on the spot. But I know K two has been really successful with like FICO and some of these other arms. Was there other products that you kind of feel like, you know, naturally you could also kind of add that supplemental coverage to? Was that part of like the, you know, attraction or was it mostly just the entrepreneurial spirit of kind of setting it up?
1: Yeah, I, I like the structure the, the best. Um, yeah. uh, but the bonus is that it, unlike, you know, most of the MGAs are very, you know, the the golf, golf course program and the um just the mobile home program they the two are not really going to collide everywhere anywhere right they're very independent now having the shared you know sort of back office is fantastic and very efficient but you know the the two can operate very independently and and largely don't have that much to to do with one another in my world since mine's a complementary coverage there are many other divisions of k2 where we can partner over time so it's literally going to be a matter of okay the world's our oyster where do we yeah. start focusing our efforts yeah, we
0: have been lucky enough to chat about what you are doing but give us like the 30 second elevator pitch for where you're headed you know where this next year is going to take you
1: yeah great so in in my heart of hearts I, I think that anyone who has any kind of exposure to a natural catastrophe the first two that we're working on are earthquake and hurricane can benefit okay. from a parametric insurance policy um the the sales process is very. It involves a lot of heavy lifting because it involves education, education, and education. And yeah. so, uh, because of that, the the sweet spot is more in the commercial lines, sort of mid to larger commercial and public gotcha. entities. Um, there are products out there for individual consumers. So, if anybody listening to this is interested, if you live in Florida or California, there are consumer based The tricky part with those platforms are it's really hard to. Get the message out and still pay the bills to actually run your company. So,
0: you scale it enough with small
1: policies. The policies yeah. are so small, right? So, in my world, each policy ch- takes a lot of heavy lifting and and conversations yeah. with the client because it's not it's not really a product it's more of a tool the parametric so it's not like you can just go off the shelf like ooh i have the parametric and would you like to buy it yeah. and like the vending machine it's really listening to the clients about what their concerns are every client has a little bit of a different concern of what they're trying to solve with this tool so listening to those concerns and then structuring something that makes sense for them and makes sense for their budget And so because of that, you tend to go to the more middle to upper size of the spectrum over time. When people understand it more, I think you can kind of go down market because maybe it'll be more commonplace in the industry that people understand it. But but right here at this moment, it's sort of mid to to upper and we work exclusively through the brokers. The brokers are our allies. And so I know a lot of people are saying, oh, just go around the brokers. No, the brokers are our allies because the client looks to the broker to say, okay, is this legit? is this person telling the truth here? Is this really going to behave this way? And the broker is the client's eyes and ears to say, nope, I've looked into this. I've experienced this. I've, I've, I know this, this, this really is what, what it's, what it sounds like.
0: Okay. So yeah. So you're kind of looking for those brokers that are writing middle to large market commercial risk saying, Hey, let's get plans for your
1: customers. Yeah. They're standalone policies. And okay. And they're, they're, unlike the regular property policies, that, so they, they can involve a client that just has one location and you have sort of okay. one trigger point. We call it a trigger point. So it's literally latitude, gotcha. longitude point on the map and we pay based on what happens there. Um, or we might have a client that chooses a suite of locations. right They don't necessarily have to choose all their locations. They can choose locations that are maybe the most painful to them if something goes wrong. So say you might have a, a, a restaurant or a grocery store company. Right? If they lose an individual store, it stinks, but it's not devastating to the firm. If they lose a distribution center, now they knocked out a dozen or two stores. That's a bigger deal. So they might choose to put the parametric at the places that are the most painful for them. So it's a very different, it's a very customizable tool and it's a very powerful tool. But um, with, you know, because of the the cost associated with it, it's an additional cost. Clients usually try to find a place to kind of use it where it's the most impactful to them.
0: Well, Scott, you know, this has been a pleasure. I can tell you, you are clearly passionate about this. You are making a difference. You know, I'm excited what you're doing with young people to get them involved in the industry so that, you know, when you and I, since we probably still have about 20 years left or, or maybe 10, you know, let's not age ourselves too much. When we do walk into a room, it's not going to be full of a bunch of blue blazers. We're going to have a really good diverse mix of a lot of talent that's coming into the industry and excited about the future of insurance and what's to come. That is a wrap for the chatter this week. If you like what you heard here today, join us each week to stay up to date on the insurance trends, best practices, and emerging technologies that are disrupting the insurance industry.